Well, good morning. Can you hear me okay? These uh, little earpieces always kind of freak me out a little bit, so I'm not quite sure even how to, how to use them. But, um, but uh, it is so awesome to be with you guys this morning. What a beautiful day. What an incredible space. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I really realized when I was um, working in kind of the corporate world for a while was how much I needed Sunday mornings. Because our staff meetings at work weren't about singing songs and praying to God and thinking about Jesus. Far from it. And so it was always, it was always kind of a revelation to me when I came uh, on a Sunday morning just how much I needed just to, just to stop and just to, just to listen how much I needed the fellowship, how much I hadn't done that the week before in terms of had this kind of, kind of gathering, this kind of encouragement. And it's so, it's so refreshing just to be together. It's such an honor and a privilege to be with all the brothers and sisters, the family in North River, in Atlanta. Thank you. Thanks so much for welcoming us and having us. Thank you so much for taking care of our kids. You know, and Nick uh, kind of found his way. We're not even quite sure how he actually even ended up here. But uh, kind of through, uh, you know, through Athens and going to the University of Georgia. Sue and I have very little connection to the south. I hate to say it. We're kind of more from the northeast and all over the kind of the west coast. And so, uh, you know, just even the fact that Nick was, is here is, is just kind of an amazing thing for us. But it's also just incredible for us because there's so many friends that we have here. Friends, you know, from afar. Friends uh, that, we've, that are really great friends of us over, ours over the years. And it's just so cool for Nick to be here, to be part of the campus ministry here. He, get to, he gets to meet and marry this incredible young woman named Bree Broyles. And we just feel so lucky. We just feel like so blessed to have Bree in our family. She's such an amazing young woman. And, uh, you know, and then for, uh, to be road tripping down here uh, a few weeks ago with uh, my daughter Mackenzie because she just, uh, just uh, uh, passed her boards, her nursing boards, and she uh, gets to come and live close to her brother and, uh, and be a nurse in kind of her dream job is with uh, the Children's Health Care of Atlanta. And so she, she came down here and we we're just all praying. And then, you know, on our way down here, she's, uh, she's talking with recruiters on the phone and she's working deals and she's negotiating. I'm going, wow, this, this girl's kind of adulting now. You know, she's kind of coming into her own. She came here, she had three interviews that first week. She got three offers that first week. And so she's just kind of playing hardball, you know, with the hospital system down here in Atlanta. And uh, it was just, um, it was just, we're just so proud of her. And we feel so lucky. I literally feel like the most blessed man of all time. And I don't know if you feel that way, but if, you, if we meet this morning, you're meeting the, like the luckiest guy in the history of man right here. Because God has given me so much and I just don't deserve it. I don't deserve it at all. And all the stuff and all the relationships and all the, the experiences and the blessings that I enjoy... I just, uh, I do, I'm just amazed. God is so good to us. Following Jesus is such a, such a get to, not a have to. You know, we get to follow him. I mean, who else would we, ra- would we rather follow than this guy? Who is so humble and so approachable and so normal and so real and so with us. But then also so powerful. And boy, he just his, his, his message and his, his, his power, the strength of who he was and and what he represented, his spirit, 
it just literally resonates out, out, out into humanity for thousands of years. And it's making an impact on our lives. Boy, what an honor and a privilege to get to follow him. Hey, thanks so much for coming this morning. Thanks so much for being you. Uh, I know you're awesome because God made, doesn't make anything but awesomeness. And uh, it's really an honor and a privilege to be with you this morning. Let's pray. Let's really ask God to work through his, his word uh, in, a, in a personal and a powerful way for us this morning. And let's, uh, let's really believe that actually as we just kind of open up the pages of the Bible, that some really magical things are going to happen. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father in heaven, it is such an honor just to talk to you. And I know, Father, you say we can talk to you anytime, in any place, 24-7, 365. Father, you're there for us all the time. You want to hear our voice, voice. You want to talk to us. You want us to share our heart with you. Father, thank you so, so much for that. We get to call you our Father. We get to have a special kind of access to you because of what Jesus did for us. And we are just so thankful for that, Father. We ask you, God, right now just to bless our time in the Scriptures. Father, we know there's wisdom here. We know there's personal, kind of personal stuff that you have for us here. There's stuff that you have for, for us in the Word as a community, but there's also things that you have for us very personally. And Father, we really believe, God, that as we're opening up the Scriptures, that God, you want to speak to us uh, personally, collectively this morning. And Father, we want to listen. We want to take it seriously. We want to hear what we need to hear so it can really bless our lives as we leave this place. Father, thank you for this time in the word. Thank you for this time together. We pray for your spirit to guide us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so now it's 9.50. And I'm kind of putting that on myself because I met Michelle this morning. And I'm like, wow, this, 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 this woman is like a force in nature, man. I don't even want to be messing with her with time. So I got to keep mindful of that. I did like, you know, Michelle, that she's from, uh, from Connecticut. We lived in Connecticut for a while. She's rocking the Patriots jersey this morning. So I'm not sure how that affects everybody here in the room. But I was encouraged. And, and so, uh, and so just, just out of respect for you, out of respect for all the amazing AV worship people here, those in Kids Kingdom, I am not going to go longer than 25 minutes, I promise. Acts chapter 16 and 17. I've been reading that this week, uh, thinking about Philippians 4. Philippians 4 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. It has been since, since the time I was 13 years old. And I'll tell you that story here in just a moment. But I've been reading through Acts chapter 16 and, and, and 17, where, where uh, Paul initially goes to Philippi. And it seems to me, as I read this, that this was really kind of a special time for Paul. And he talks about it in Philippians 4. He, he talks about what, what helped him to get through some of the challenges that he was facing in Acts chapter 16 and 17. And what helped him to be so joyful and feeling so connected uh, during those times. You know, Paul was feeling blessed. He was feeling guided. He was feeling connected, it seems to me, through these chapters. And, you know, we go through our ups and downs. And a lot of times we don't think a guy like Paul goes through his ups and downs. But he is learning about God himself as he's going through these experiences. As he's seeing God work in his life. And so in Acts chapter 16, in the beginning, what happens is he meets this, this young man who would change his life. Who would become one of his best friends. Who would be some, someone that, that Paul could help, you know, live his legacy through. And that was Timothy. 
And so he meets Timothy in Acts chapter 16 in the the beginning verses. And they kind of go on together to strengthen and encourage the churches. And so he's heading out and he's wanting to go into Asia. And he has this dream because they kept being stopped from going into Asia. And he has this dream from this man from Macedonia who who says, hey, come and help us. We really need some help. And so Paul has this, has this sense from God that he is not to go into Asia, but he is to make a beeline for, for Macedonia, which is kind of, you know, uh, present-day Greece and that kind of area there. And so he starts and head, he heads out to Philippi. In Philippi, he goes to the place of prayer. And we see how much prayer was a part of Paul's life. We see how much Paul, prayer was, was a secret to his strength. As a man, as a, as a man of God, as a human, that his connection with God really, really was how God worked in his life and how God strengthened him. Well, anyway, he goes down to the place of prayer, and who does he meet? He meets this spiritual, high-powered, amazing woman, businesswoman named Lydia. And Lydia really encouraged Paul because she was such, a, she was such a, an alive person. And so she was also a worshiper of God. She, she meets Paul, and her home became kind of the headquarters for all that was happening with the church in Philippi. Well, Paul, you know, meets uh, Lydia. He baptizes her and her, her whole household. And then he goes, you know, he's, he gets himself into trouble, as he normally did as he went through these cities. He got himself thrown into jail. And it says there that he was severely flogged. Severely flogged. I don't know if I've ever in my life experienced pain to the degree of a severe flogging. He was severely flogged. And so he goes into jail, and again, with prayer and singing, God starts to move. He's there with Silas, and he's praying, and he's singing, and trying to connect with God, and all that God's trying to do in his life, because he knows that's where the life is. He knows that's where the wisdom is. He knows that's where the perspective is, even as he's going through these challenges. And God does something crazy. I don't know if God's ever done this for you. He's not done it for me. But he sends an earthquake that literally takes the doors off the, the, jail, or the jail walls, off the hinges. It takes the shackles off of their body. And Paul is set free. And the Philippian jailer, and maybe this was the man from Macedonia saying, hey, come and help me. But the Philippian jailer is, you know, he comes and he, and he falls at their feet and and Paul begins to teach him the good news of Jesus, that there's a chance that he was born for a reason, that there is re- he could be reconciled to God, that he could live in a community of love with God and with people. And he talks to him about the good news. And so the Philippian jailer and his household repent of their sins. And just like it talks about in Acts chapter 2, they repent of their sins, they were baptized in the Christ with the promise that Sue was talking about this morning. You know that this promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Well, Paul goes on to that place encouraged. God has been working through his prayers, through his relationships. He's feeling connected to God. He's feeling in sync with God. Have you ever felt that way, that God is actually really hearing your prayers? That's a great place to be. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's not that we're not going through challenges in those moments, but we feel that God is really is with us, that we're in sync with him, that, that we're, we're living out his dream for our lives. We're living out the greatness that God has put into all of us. 
And so we feel in sync. And we see that in Paul because he goes on from there. He goes to Thessalonica. He goes to Berea. He goes to Athens. And he's learning about God. He's walking with God. He's in sync with God. He's connected with God. He's connected with friends. God is using his life to make these major impacts. He's working through challenges and pain in his life. And he's moving forward even through that. And he's growing through that. And I love it because in, 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 in Acts chapter 17 and verse 24, it says he talks about this God who wants so much to be involved in our lives. And he says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And that's so much of what Paul was feeling. And that's so much of what he expresses in Philippians chapter 4. You know, I'll never forget a time in my own life when I was 18 years old where I felt this, I felt this. I felt this God seeking me and reaching out for me. When I was 18 years old, I really wanted to, I'd really worked hard in high school to go to, uh, to, go to, um, to art school. And then I had a change of mind and I didn't, I decided not to go to art school. And I applied to a couple of colleges last minute and I didn't get in. I didn't get into any of the colleges I wanted to go to. And so I decided, I worked construction that summer, I decided I'm going to take a year and just travel around the U.S. in, my, um, in this old Jeep, yellow Jeep Cherokee that I had. And so I, I left and I went and I worked odd jobs around, around the country. I stayed in youth hostels. And, and I really wanted in that time of my life to, to find the meaning of life and to, and to find God. And I thought to myself, you know, if God is real, I'm going to give it everything I have. But if God isn't real then let's not, I'm not going to waste my time on it. Why waste your time on religion? Why waste your time on God who's not real? And I really wanted to figure that out. And so I would talk to everybody. I, would talk to, I talked to all sorts of homeless people. I talked to people from all backgrounds and religions. I talked to all the, you know, the people in the youth hostels. I was reading my Bible as I was going and trying to figure it out on my own. And sure enough, I had this job out in the mountains in Colorado and I had a few extra days before I was going to, uh, to start. And an old friend of mine, uh, his name was Mike, said, hey, if you're ever in Colorado, come up to Boulder and visit me. So I had a few extra days. So I went up to Boulder to visit him. Little did I know that Mike had moved out to uh, Boulder to pursue his architecture uh, career. And he had met some of the disciples in Boulder. And he had sat down and studied the Bible. And just days before, he had literally up in the clear spring waters and the mountains around Boulder, he had been baptized into Christ. And so the thing on his heart was, was that story. And he was like a stud from high school. I really respected this guy. He was a friend of my older, my older sister. And I said, wow, tell me all about that. I want to hear all about that. He went to Acts chapter 2. And for the first time, you know, we sat down to, just with some young men my age, sat down, studied the Bible, and the Bible started to come alive for me. You know, on, my, on our road trip down here, uh, I brought the journal that I was writing in during when I was 18 years old and, uh, you know, and experiencing all these things. And Kenzie and I would take some time just to read it. And I was just blown away by how, 
The God who made the world and everything in it does not live in temples built by hands. He's the God who gives life and breath and everything else. But this God, who's so huge and so incredible, was actually listening to my prayers as I was traveling along my little yellow Jeep, trying to find him. And he had sent this couple, Tom and Kelly Brown, to Boulder years before. And they, in their own faith, in their own belief, in their own, in their own journey, had started something awesome. A light on a hill. A city on a hill that could not be hidden in Boulder, Colorado. It affected my friends that then turned around and affected me. And I'll never forget even during that time meeting, meeting Tom and being so impacted by the group there. I studied the Bible and three days later I was baptized into Christ. But I had a job out in the mountains. So the next morning I get up and I went out kind of like the Ethiopian guy. And uh, head out to the mountains to, to do my job. Just so thrilled that God had found me in all the confusion of my life. And God was reaching out to me and connecting with me. And, um, you know, it's through those times that it's just so, so meaningful and so special. And it's always amazing to me that God, so powerful and so big as he is, wants to have something special and personal with me. He hears my prayers. Unfortunately, I just don't pray enough. I don't take advantage of that enough. But every time I do, I go, why don't I do this more? You ever feel that way? Turn over to Philippians chapter 4 with me. I just wanted to say a, a thank you to Tom and Kelly Brown. Tom has been a hero of mine since that day in 1983, which is like almost 37 years ago. And Tom, I love you. And I, I, I admire you. And I, I'm so thankful for you. And I'm so thankful. It's like Sue had talked about that, that our lives have sort of intersected in so many different kind of meaningful points. Thanks for having the courage and the faith to go to Boulder. Thanks for having the courage and the faith for all the places you've gone, all the things that you've done, because it's changed me. It's affected me. And it just kind of makes me realize how faithful God is. He determines the times and the places, the exact places where we, where we should live. Let me ask you this. What's God trying to do in your life this morning? What special thing is he trying to build in your life? You know what? You were created for greatness. You are awesome. And you go, well, Steve, how do you know that? You haven't even met me. Well, Jesus says you're the light of the world. And he said that about himself. He said, I'm the light of the world. You know, we, we are meant for, we are created for awesomeness. We are gifted. We have talents. And we need your talents. We need for you to believe in what God has created you for so that you'll step up and use your gifts to serve. Use your gift to bring light and salt to this world. We need you desperately. And we need for you to say, I am awesome. I am created for greatness. God wants to do something incredible with my life. And a lot of times, even the messes that we've gotten ourselves into or the difficult times that we've been through, those become our message now to pass on. And the pain that we've felt and the difficulty we've gone through, those scars becomes kind of our, you know, kind of our, our, our message that we can now bring to the world. And so sometimes, sometimes our gift isn't necessarily the ability to draw or the ability to play an instrument or something like that. Maybe our gift or our talent is that experience that we went through that we're still trying to heal from, that now we can love others more deeply, more meaningfully, 
that we can be kind to somebody else to the degree that, that they could learn on your dime and be stronger and wiser, be closer to God, realize more of their giftedness because of your life. God works in mysterious ways and God works through all that. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, This is uh, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite chapters. Um, what we're going to do here is a little exercise. You guys ready for this? I'm taking a little chance with this one, but I'm going to go for it. So one of the things I've been studying about Jesus is, is there's a habit that he talks about that if we will develop this simple habit in our life, it will revolutionize our life. It's a simple habit. It's only one habit. And Jesus literally guarantees that if we will take on this habit in our life, that we will be successful. We will overcome. We will be strong in our life. And a simple habit is this. It's hear his words and practice his words. It's hear and practice. It's a little two-step habit. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, he says, if you will hear my words... And put them into practice. This is for anybody, from any background, any situation. If you will hear my words and put them into practice, you will be like a man or a woman who dug down deep and laid his foundation on rock so that life is well built. And he says when the storms come, everybody else isn't even ready. But you're ready. And not only through those storms are you going to survive, but you're going to thrive. And you're going to learn. You're going to become even stronger through those. But it comes down to that basic habit. He talks about it in Matthew 7. He talks about it in Luke chapter 6. He says, if you'll hear my words and put them into practice, then I guarantee this. He also says in Luke chapter 8, he says, he says my mother and my brothers, when they were standing outside, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Isn't that what a disciple does? Isn't that what a true follower does? It's simple. But I'll tell you this. I guarantee you, if you'll make it a daily habit in your life to hear personally, and sometimes it's hard because you've got to sort of quiet yourself. You've got to kind of focus and listen. But if you will take time every day, even just a couple of words that Jesus said, or just read a couple of verses and say, what am I hearing? What is God talking to me about? And then you'll try to put those into practice then you will be blessed and your life will become strong and you will be able to overcome anything. It's a promise and Jesus, the one who did it, the one who even overcame death. You know, everybody else, 140 billion people who've lived throughout history, they were not able to overcome death. Jesus said he was going to do it and he did it, proving everything else that he said. And he's saying to you and he's saying to me, you want to develop that awesomeness that you were created for? Then hear my words and put them into practice. Let me train you. Let me be that coach in your life. Okay, so Philippians 4, verse 1. I'm going to read this chapter. And I'm going to ask you to share what are you hearing? What sort of words sort of pop off the page? What are you hearing and to think about how will you put that into practice. You know when you read the Bible or hear the scriptures, there's certain things that kind of resonate with you. There's certain kind of words that sort of glow on the page. There's certain words that you underline and star and circle. What I want you to hear those words this morning. 
I want you to kind of clear it out and listen as I read. Because even as this letter was being read to the Philippians, most people didn't read this letter. Most people heard this letter. So as we're reading through it, as we're listening to it, I want you to hear God speaking to you. In chapter, one, chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Eudea and I plead with Sinchi to agree with each other. In the Lord, yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He talked about that in, in, in uh, Acts 17, didn't he? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is, lo whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, I'm going to stop there just for, for the sake of time. Anybody here want to share maybe something that they're hearing as we kind of read through that? What is God saying to you? What sticks out to you? Yeah. God's peace, the transcendence, all understanding. Awesome. So you kind of want to hold on to that and kind of study a little bit more about that and kind of hear God talking about that peace that we all desire. Great. Yes, peace. God is very relational. That insight could change your life. Yes. God is so relational. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Standing firm. I love it. Yep. Okay. Yep, big guard. That's guarding. That's guarding your 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 life, guarding your heart. Awesome. Anything else? Yeah, right here. Okay, okay. And so so that one right there. That's a great. That's that's a great one as well as the others to go. Okay, I'm hearing this. Don't be anxious about anything. I am an anxious person. In fact, when I was um, when I was uh, 13 years old, I was I was really into tennis. I played a lot of competitive tennis. My, my sister knew that I got anxious about stuff. And I was really nervous about this tournament that I was going to be in the next day. And so she wrote me a card. And in that card was Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through, 4 through 9. And that, that meant so much to me. Don't be anxious, but in everything pray. Is that I wrote that passage. I memorized it as a 13-year-old. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. And I taped it on both of my rackets. And so through my tournaments, I would go, you know, and I would, I'd be, you know, I probably shouldn't have been looking at that part of my racket, but, you know, I would, I, would, uh, I would look down there and be encouraged. And I would say, hey, God doesn't want me to be anxious. God can help me through this. That verse has helped me through so many different situations in my life. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, like Paul was experienced in Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter 17, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, think about such things. 
You know, and what I, what I realized through that passage is what God is really talking to us about is this idea of pray and play. God has made everything for our enjoyment. But he is the source of strength. He is the foundation of our life. He is the one who's going to help us to have the strength that we need to make it through this particular time. We need to go through him. We need to go to him. There's no one else that's the source of the strength that we need. And so God is calling us to him so that we can run our hardest in life, that we can play and enjoy and spread our wings and fly and be ourselves and, and develop our greatness and develop our awesomeness. Life really is about pray and play. Prioritizing God and our relationship with him and then going for it. Going for it in our lives and going for all the great things that God has in store for us. You know, uh, when we stepped out of the ministry, a quick story, and then uh, we'll finish. When we stepped out of the ministry, we, um, we moved to Connecticut, and we, um, we went through some really hard times. And, and I was fired from a couple of jobs, or actually one job in particular. I, uh, we went through a lot of financial hardship. We were going through a lot of challenges in our, in our, in our family that we were really trying to, trying to, uh, to face. But it was during that time that I went to a new level of reliance on God in my life. And it was during that time that both of our kids studied the Bible and became Christians. It was during that time that I learned two things, that God is with me and uh, that my kids don't care a lick about what I do for work. What they care about is that they're connected to their dad and that we get to go through life together and we love each other and we know each other. When we were leaving that town, there was this little grotto that I used to go to all the time and with loud cries and tears, I would call out to God. God has been so good to me. But we went around and put stones of remembrance around our town. And one of the stones that I put down was right there at the foot of this cross that I had prayed at many, many times. I just got down on my knees as we were kind of driving out of that town and just said, thank you, God. You've been so good to me. God wants us to pray and to come to him and to find the strength there. But he also wants to play and do great things with our lives. Thank you so much for having us this morning. Love you guys. Thank you.